Welcome to another episode of Kielhald Shore Leave. That's right, this is the third episode of Shore Leave, and this week I've got quite a few things that I wanted to talk to you because this has been something that I've been putting off for a little while, and it seems like every time I do, there's more stuff to talk about. So I'm going to pick out some of the stuff that we've heard about in the past, some stuff that I'm playing right now, and then some things that I thought were interesting going into the future. So hopefully you enjoy this, hopefully you like it, and I wanted to start today off with something that is very fun, very entertaining, and that's Luigi's Mansion 3. Now, if you've never played a Luigi's Mansion 3, Louis, or Luigi's Mansion game, you're, you're really missing out. Luigi's Mansion 3 is a really great, 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 great game. Blah. It has all the polish that you'd expect from a game that's published by Nintendo, but this is actually developed by Next Level Games, uh, who have a history of good games, but they've also got a history of some bad games too. But you wouldn't even be able to really tell that with this game. This game is that good. It's so so charming and if you've never played one this is a great way to actually get into the series too especially if you have a switch if you have a switch and you haven't picked up this game please please put this on a list because this is going to be one that is just it's a oh man it's so good it's it's a really good game you're missing a whole heck of a lot um the the story sends you to a hotel which if you've if you've never played a uh, luigi's mansion this is kind of the <laughs> this is kind of the running gag uh it's it's almost like a cold open for for a, a movie um you're you're basically going to uh, a mansion but in this case it's not a mansion it's actually a hotel and you go to this hotel where you've been invited as guests um i don't actually remember what the reason was i just remember them deciding that it was a good idea to all pack up in a bus so you a whole bunch of toads uh mario and princess peach hop in a bus and then head out to this uh mansion or hotel i keep wanting to call it mansion and as you're going there um you're not really sure why you're going there but it's obviously it's going to be a free vacation and you know you've been playing mario odyssey so clearly you've been globe trotting all over the place you know hiding balloons and whatnot so why not take a break and not too long after you get there you're you're kind of you're, you're basically if <laughs> luigi is blissfully unaware <laughs> of just about everything and that's kind of what i love about it this is that that bit of just kind of naivete that he has uh but you you notice when you're playing that all of the employees are a little off and it, you know they don't really hide it too much in this game you know everything is kind of played tongue-in-cheek like you're, you're gonna notice that everything's kind of a little off uh but luigi doesn't he continues to go on just kind of enjoy things until um i would say probably about a half hour into the game where it's revealed that you are are the last sole survivor after the uh, owner of the hotel actually entraps all of your friends, your brother, and Princess Peach in portraits, uh, paintings. And it's up to you to, for one, get away safely uh, from King Boo, who is working in collaboration with the owner of the hotel, who she's, she's basically watching over you all the time, trying to send ghosts to uh, stop you and to capture you. But through getting away from the different ghosts you manage to make your way down to the garage level where you find a truck or <laughs> it's an old like model t man it's it's an old old like wind up car and you open up the uh, the engine compartment and you find a poltergust and that's where things start getting fun because if you've ever played a luigi's mansion you know you just that that one thing is your big tool and you're going to be running around vacuuming up everything you possibly can and this game is no different uh they've added a few tools which is it's really fun to be able to kind of have like a a, a boost that kind of pumps you up into the air as well as uh like a magic lantern and a way to push air out of the actual vacuum but you also get guiji which you don't get right away 
that's that's one of the interesting things is they don't they don't burden you with too much to start with they actually kind of bring you along on kind of a, a guided tutorial not well I don't want to I, I don't want to risk saying tutorial because people might get turned off by that but they do kind of take you through the the paces of how to use your uh, poltergust and the controls are definitely something that need uh, some getting used to because it's it's not the, the camera is fixed in the game, very similar to how Resident Evil games uh, were, were played back in the day. And because of that, you're kind of left uh, turning in directions independent of the actual camera, which is jarring at first because we're so used to having so much control over our camera uh, in 3D worlds to be able to, to, to play with both joysticks. And in this, you you can adjust some of the settings to kind of help with that. Uh, there's definitely a couple things that I've done to make it easier on myself, but eventually I, I got used to how it is. And the game is slow enough paced that it really takes into account that most people probably won't have a, a really good comfortable feel like you're you're not going to become the next Fortnite champion in luigi's mansion using your sick you know building skills and headshots and stuff like that's not gonna you're not gonna have to worry about that with luigi's mansion this is definitely a game that's designed for all ages and expects all ages to be playing it uh the fact that i'm a 37 year old male who just wants to play it because i have a, a, a crippling addiction to um nintendo games i it, it that's just how how it works out um I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> but getting back to the, the actual game, uh, once you have your poltergust, that's when the world really starts to kind of uh, open up and you start to kind of explore different areas. And once you get Guiji, it opens up even more because then you start getting uh, puzzles that have to be incorporated. And you can kind of start working some stuff out ahead of time. Like you can start to notice some of the, the keys about, uh, you know, Guiji being able to fit between uh, bars or through grates and pipes and stuff like that. And you start to see areas where you're like, ah, I, I see what's going on here. I'll have to come back when I have X number skill to be able to do that. So there's a little bit of that, that gated content built in right from the get-go. But the joy of playing this game comes down to exploring the hotel as you try to free your friends. And each level, uh, the lower levels, start out very simplistic. Uh, they start out you just chasing after some ghosts who are in the different rooms as you try to get different elevator buttons to replace the buttons in the elevators to eventually scale up the hotel to find your friends. Meanwhile, Egad, who is your, uh, your, your, your scientist buddy, is pushing you to constantly gather up more ghosts and test out his equipment. And in, in great tradition of Luigi Mansion games, your companion uh, device that you use to communicate, um, I believe in uh, the 3DS, oh gosh, I think it was a, a Game Boy, no, I think in the GameCube version, I think it was a Game Boy. Uh, I can't remember what the DS one was, but I'm sure if you're listening to this and you played it, you know what I'm talking about. And you, you're probably yelling at, the, at your phone right now, wondering how come I don't remember. So I'm sorry about that. But in Luigi's Mansion 3, you get to use uh, the, the virtual boy, which if you if that's past your time uh, and you're listening to this, the, the virtual boy was quite the uh, it was quite the endeavor that Nintendo attempted. And you should definitely give it a chance to look up. But uh, it was their first attempt at a virtual headset that was in a complete red spectrum. So everything that you see in the virtual boy in Luigi's Mansion 3 is all red spectrum. It, it looks exactly like how you used to play games uh, in, in the Virtual Boy back during the 90s. And man, it's a trip to, to see. But to once you get kind of past the first few levels in Luigi's Mansion, that's when you start to start getting those themes. You know, you get like shopping malls and pirate ships and uh, castles and music halls. And it really, like each one, and, and some of these I haven't even gotten to yet, and I'm looking forward to it. Like I just got to level six, which is the castle level. 
And I can't wait to dive into that and start seeing what cute, like I've already found a secret in one of the things in that in that level that I don't want to give away because, you know, you might want to find it for yourself. But it was so cool because I, I, like I just wasn't expecting it. But that little hint of exploration, something that any of you that listen to, to, to or play Sea of Thieves, you know when you're sailing by an island and you see like down on the beach you see something that glints and it's and it's that little glint that just it it, it pokes at your curiosity and you're just like ah oh, I wonder what that is I, I really want to go check that out and you do and you know usually it's something decent sometimes it's something really good and most of the time it's a message in a bottle but you never know what that message in a bottle is going to take you so with Luigi's Mansion, you get that same sense of excitement whenever you you stumble across something that you you didn't know was there, and you were just kind of going through the motions of trying to clear out every single room, like myself. Like I have the the need every time I play that game to try and suck up every possible thing I can. If I can, I will. And it's fun to to kind of get that enjoyment of, you know, being able to suck up everything. So that kind of takes me to one of the, the few downfalls of the game. The, the game itself is amazing. Um, the levels are great. I love each floor. It feels like going through a Zelda dungeon where I have to work out the puzzles or like an escape room. And the music and the subtle animations that they give to the ghosts and to Luigi, they really pull you into the world. And and everything in the everything in the game just lends itself to that atmosphere. The 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 world building there is is top notch. Um, next level games have have really come out. But there are some downsides to this game. Now, I can't speak to Guiji in a co-op mode because I haven't played it with anyone. Similarly, I haven't played any of the multiplayer stuff because I haven't taken the time to really dive into those. But I will say that uh, the one thing that I've run into with the game that it was, was more, it wasn't bad, it was disheartening, was the, the money in the game and if you've listened to other podcasts or other youtube videos about luigi's mansion 3 they they might have actually touched on this as well so i won't harp on it too much but the items that you spend money on in the game really don't take you further uh with with any kind of level of progression and i know some of you are already kind of thinking okay well you do a podcast mainly about sea of thieves where there's no power progression why does it bother you with luigi's mansion 3 and I can't really answer that, but I definitely was hoping that when I was going to be uh, uh, getting access to the shop, that the shop would give me something interesting. And, and it could be something as, as silly as uh, different outfits that Luigi gets to wear. Because I, I, I am typically looking at Luigi most of the game. So having different cosmetics to wear, similarly to how they did it with Mario Odyssey, where in Mario Odyssey, his clothing, uh, I can't actually remember. I don't think it impacts the gameplay. I think, I think you can find stuff and you can talk to people if you're wearing certain things uh, that are in that level that you bought the cl clothes from but I don't think it actually impacts your power level. I could be wrong on that because unfortunately I've only ever spent 10 hours to get through the campaign and that was right at launch and that was a year ago, two years ago? No, it was it was two years ago because it was 2017 when the game launched and we had the battle between Zelda and Mario and which was going to win in Zelda 1 because obviously Zelda is the better franchise. I'm sticking to that. You guys can't stop me on that. I'm sticking to that statement. And, uh, oh man, I just lost my place. What was I talking about? I was talking about how the co-op and, uh, oh, 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 the, the money, like, uh, the, so the gold is basically for, uh, different things to help you find hidden items, uh, like gems or booze in the game. Once you've kind of completed it and you want to go back, but you're having trouble or kind of, uh, like a, like a fairy in a bottle for Zelda where you get like an extra life. Uh, it's kind of like having, um, like a pineapple in your hand, you eat the pineapple, you get full life. Uh, but it's a golden dog bone. And you get one right off the bat, but the game isn't so hard that you feel like you ever are in that much trouble. Um, there's there's enough ways for you to kind of regain health that you never really feel like you need to use the bone. Now, I'm I'm, I'm there's a little asterisk at the top of this because I did I do want to state or point out the fact that I haven't completed the game completely. 
uh, or I haven't completed the game. That's that's an easy way of putting it. I just haven't completed the game. So it could get substantially harder in the future, and I could find a lot of use for that money to buy dog bones to, to make sure that I have like a backup health reserve. But I can't say that right now it's enough for me to feel happy about the way they implemented that system just based on how much money you actually suck up when you're running from uh, level to level and just you know trying to get every little nook and cranny cleaned up uh, and, and that's basically what what I think is probably the worst point of that game um, but that's I, you know I would love to have spent more time with it but unfortunately <laughs> Not too long after Luigi's Mansion came out, I went to BlizzCon, and BlizzCon was amazing. I absolutely loved everything about it. I don't even remember if I talked about it. No, I did. I did uh, Shore Leave Episode 2. It was like all about BlizzCon. But then I got home, and I started playing other stuff, and I ran into the problem where I got distracted with Pokemon Sword and Shield. And I've stopped playing Luigi's Mansion for the time being now because I've really wanted to dive into the world of pocket monsters. So, funny enough, I would dive into Pokemon Sword and Shield, but to be perfectly honest, I have not spent that much time actually playing it. And the time that I have spent playing it has been mostly spent going from the starter area, which is a, a very linear path that you take as you kind of, you know, get your character and you say who your character is and then you meet your your neighbor buddy who's your rival, uh, friendly rival now. And uh, they, they kind of open up the world about how you have to go and pick up your first starter. Uh, for those of you that are interested, I pick Score Bunny because obvious answer. Um, although Grookey, Grookey was a, uh, I was a big contender. And I don't know who the heck is going for Sobble. If you went with Sobble, you must really love water types because there's something really off about that that uh, chameleon water thing. Sobble is that's it's a it's weird. Okay, don't at me. Maybe at me. Actually, I don't care. You can at me. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna stick by Score Bunny. And the the second evolution's not too bad either. The second evolution's a little uh, a little towards like a, a route that I didn't think it was gonna go, but I still kind of like it. Um, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't spent a whole lot of time playing that. I want to dive more into it, but every time I go into it, I spend all my time sitting in the wild area, trying to catch all the different Pokemon. And that's really fun. That's actually a blast. I've, I've had a lot of fun just going from, uh, you know, tall grass to tall grass, running around this big open area, looking at all the different Pokemon that keep popping up and seeing like which ones I can use to grind while I'm doing something else and I don't really need to focus and I'm high enough level that I can, I can beat them in one shot. But also the ones that pop up uh, just randomly that I haven't caught up to be able to fill out the, the Pokedex which the the pokedex that they picked for it i absolutely hate i hate that pokedex i would much rather just have a non face using thing piece of technology i don't know why it has to have a face it doesn't need a face just let me open it and use it like a phone it doesn't need a face but anyway i i've been having fun with that so far um i'm going to be diving a lot more into it because i want to do a a special episode with the nintendo pulse podcast where i kind of give a, a deep vi deep dive review of it based on someone who has only recently played let's go pikachu and before that just uh uh red uh, yeah I, I played a little bit of sapphire but uh, most of my experience has all been with the original first gen of Pokemon. So I've, I've got a few that are very reminiscent of that original gen, but there's a whole bunch in here that I am not familiar with, but I do think are actually pretty cool. I've, I've, I've been enjoying that. So, And the reason why I haven't spent a whole lot of time with Pokemon Sword and Shield is, well, for one, <laughs> Sea of Thieves, and for two is actually call of duty modern warfare and i i did not expect to pick up this game when it was coming out in fact i i had no intention of picking it up because i had every intention of playing luigi's mansion 3 and the more and more i watch 
people, uh, the more and more I've, I've watched people play Call of Duty, uh, whether it be like Dr. Disrespect or Shroud or, um, you know, Hossost, uh over on Mixer or Jay Pizzle on Twitch. The more I watch my friends play that game, the more I really wanted to jump back into it because the I've I've really only ever played two Call of Duties. The last one I played was Call of Duty Blackout 4. And I'm already having more fun with that playing solo than I did in, in the time that I played with friends during Blackout. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed this game. This game, probably the last game uh, or the last week has been mostly Sea of Thieves and um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare. And I, I tell you what, that game has a campaign I grinded most of that campaign over the course of two nights where I, I probably dumped at least 10 to 12 hours, at least 10 hours, I would say, over the course of a couple nights, um, just, just grinding away on that campaign. I had so much fun playing it. I did not realize campaigns uh, for shooters could be so so intense, so, so awesome. Now, it, it is a very much... Uh, on the rails campaign like this this campaign might as well have been called Star Fox it's that on the rails like Galaga probably has a little more a little more give on what you do than this campaign does because man you are basically forced to do whatever is going on in that and if you mess up if you shoot the wrong person or you die or you go somewhere too far they let you know and you just restart you don't get a you don't get to uh to kind of wander around that that's for multiplayer but i loved it i i love that that feeling of, of playing through this campaign there were a lot of different characters in it too and each one was was interesting and felt unique and had different motives and desires and clear clear uh like trust issues with each other the the i, I would say that and, and it got it looks so good it looks really good i mean playing it on my pc it feels amazing and my my computer it now it has an nvidia 1080 but this game doesn't even use it it's it's like living off of my i7 cpu for some reason but the game looks so good it looks so good and it pulls you through the campaign through varying game modes in some game modes where you're you're not even using any weapons at all uh which which are actually really surprising and they make you uncomfortable at, at times at very specific times they make you you know realize that there's an impact to the to the things that you are doing and making the, these decisions in game and it, and because of that, it's so much more emotional than if you were just, you know, Joe Schmo out there killing a bunch of people with no regard. But having a dialogue between characters and, and knowing that there is that there's always more than just what what meets the eye to, to coin a transformer phrase. And there was one point in the campaign that if you've played through it, you know, was uh, was a very tense moment. And I did the thing that most people probably didn't do and i actually got called out on that by the other character and i was really surprised but the thing that i did wasn't necessarily the thing that i intended to do but the game still recognized it as such um so there was like a, a bit of a cognitive dissonance uh between what i did what the game thought i was intending to do and how the character reacted to the thing that they thought i was doing um and because of that, sorry, I know that's really general, but it's such a good moment. I don't want to ruin it for anyone that hasn't finished that campaign. It's short too. You can get through that campaign pretty quickly, uh, especially if you're playing on a lower setting, which I was because I got my butt handed to me. I'm not that good at shooters, but man, I love playing this game. And it was definitely one of those one of those moments. And I went through some of the other levels and I was thinking, man, like these are experiences. These are like tight knit experiences. They would be so much fun in VR if you could do that. Um, I don't think that's going to happen though. But I was thinking about that when I was uh, when I was playing through a couple of those modes because some of the modes you've you've got a pretty tight field of vision, and because of that, uh, you really only feel like you can see what you can see real quickly. And you know, thankfully being on a on a PC, uh, I can whip the mouse around fairly quickly and be able to to see. But that's not always the case in real life. But the thing that I think I love the most is 
I've, I've never met any of these characters before, but it is clear that there was a, there was a well-presented and, and clearly deep lore in connection with each of the characters. The game is, is it, it's delivered on so many different levels for me and gave me a taste of, of just about every, it was, it was pretty much like every James Bond movie, but without the, like the super cool cars or the obvious, uh, you know, promiscuity. I'll, I'll leave it at that. You can look into, into the thing. I love the James Bond movies. There's some serious issues with James Bond. Uh, but I think that's even addressed in some of the movies. Um, but it, it, it was a war story that it, it really it kind of harkened back to what I felt when I watched The Hurt Locker. And if anyone's ever watched The Hurt Locker, you it, it's hard not to empathize with the main character in that story because like he goes through a lot. And anyone that goes through that has got to deal with issues uh, and things that, you know, that's a whole different world. And I can't imagine what that must be like. There's a lot of people, at least in uh, America, that serve and have had to deal with that and bless them for doing it because that is a sacrifice and in a long that is a lifetime thing that they have to cope with and i i don't wish that on anyone for anything if we can afford to not do that but to get back to the to the game um it's clear that nothing is ever just black and white like there's such a huge gray area in what these characters have to do to try and get things to to work out that is going to be the most beneficial for the 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 greater good um which makes me think of of uh, hot fuzz uh but you have to travel along with some of these characters and 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 with these characters as you take on different roles um with the characters throughout the story you really start to get attached to a couple of them and and one of the hard parts for me uh, was actually during some of the parts where i was playing as uh farah karim who like you you really i can't spoil it for people that haven't played it but when i was playing through that mode because of the perspective and the situation i had a lot of anxiety uh playing through that it was really hard for me and i'm not i'm not typically an anxious guy i'm i'm pretty mellow when it comes to stuff i think the thing that really kind of gets me worked up are like games like like horror movies like horror movies that are scary and stuff like that horror games definitely when i'm in control and i can't just passively sit there and 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 cope with it in my own brain this game gave me a sense of anxiety that was on par with most scary movies that that kill me to watch uh some of the, the the hardest ones to watch and stuff and it was because it was a life or death situation in a situation that was completely out, uh, out, out. I can't say outgunned, uh, but it was definitely like the odds were not in her favor. It was about as it was bleak. It was like Hunger Games bleak, and man, to have to play through those levels, um, I, I really learned like how hard life must be in that situation like how how what what they're just accustomed to like to them like war in the middle east is is like going to mcdonald's and getting a a breakfast sandwich you know they they live with that they live with that stuff and not to get too big into whole the whole war thing but this game had a campaign that really touched on some big things that i think are worth paying attention to if you're going to subject yourself to playing war games, um, it's always so easy to look at levels and work on weapons and learn map rotations and stuff like that. But to appreciate um, the, the the sense of realism that they're trying to convey with the authenticity of, of the hardships that go into being in war, the campaign nails that. And I can't think of an, I, I don't think I've ever played another game uh, focused on war that has, has conveyed that for me. 
And I really appreciated that this game brought to light just how tough that can be for people and what people are willing to go through to try and stop people who are trying to hurt others. Um, Outside of the campaign, God, I talked a lot about that, didn't I? Uh, Outside of the campaign, the multiplayer is such a fun game. It's so good. I've been playing so much with uh, friends when I can, and it's nice. It's frustrating. It is super frustrating when when you feel like you get a kill or you don't, or you get hit from somewhere and you didn't, you know, you know that when you died, it was because you didn't do something. And I've been learning a lot about like checking corners, cooking grenades, optimum weapon loadouts, like nooks and crannies to to watch out for and maps looking, you know, high and low for things. It's so crazy. It's such a different world. And it's a world that I'm not used to because I'm so used to my action RPGs and I'm so used to my adventure games. And I don't dive into serious shooters. I really don't. But uh, I've, I've got some really good friends, um, thanks to Hossost, who have always been super welcoming, super friendly, and have always been really good stewards uh, for bringing me into a shooter world when I know, I know I'm bad. Like, I'm stoked if I killed the dude that killed me. Like if I, if I can, if I can keep my kill death ratio at one to one, I'm happy. Cause at that point I wasn't hurting. I was, I wasn't helping, but I definitely wasn't hurting. Uh, but it's, it's nice. And the addition to, um, there's, there's definitely like, I do have to bring up that there are some maps that I just don't want to play on because I think the map design is poor and it leads to, um, in StarCraft 2, when you get a good concave on your enemy with your units, you tend to win out that fight. And a lot of the fights in that game deal with positioning. And that's how some of these maps work, where the map is wide in the middle and narrow on the ends. And because of the spawn points, you always spawn at the ends where it's the most narrow. So if you get all of your all of your opposing team pushed up to a certain point they've got a great concave on you they can see just about every angle that you're coming from and can generally keep you kind of uh pulled into a pen and the, it in that point it generally just becomes shooting fish in a barrel or or you know like hurting hurting cats into a well, uh, you can't really do that but you, you kind of get the the gist of what i'm talking about and because of that those maps are always my least favorite but the matches are hardly ever longer than 20, 30 minutes. And because of that, it's it's nice to know that when I pop back into another game, it's going to be with different people. I'm going to be able to just kind of do what I want. And I can adjust the gameplay however I want. Um, the, the new addition to Ground War, which uh, if you've ever played a Battlefield game, is, is very similar. There's a, a game of tug of war where you're moving forward or losing ground or gaining ground, but it's, it's essentially you trying to move across the map and control as many points as possible to earn a certain score uh, 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 limit. And um, I can't remember if there's any other rules to it because I'm just not that comfortable with how those all work. But uh, I've definitely found that that one is one that takes a little getting used to. If you've played Battlefield, it's very similar, uh, but it's just in in a Call of Duty feel, um, which kind of reminds me of what I what it was like when I was playing Blackout. And I would definitely say that I I haven't gotten my stride in that mode, um, and it's and it's left me feeling pretty fearful. Uh, of, of, of like leaving a building like because I know as soon as I leave a building some dude who has been playing Elite Sniper 3 forever and is super good with, uh, with, with scopes and range and stuff like that he's going to get me He's going to pick me off in like one hit from like three stories away uh, or from three buildings away at like 20 stories up. And because of that, it, it leaves me sitting there like constantly waiting to respawn and hoping that I'm not like getting spawn camped. Um, but I do I do like that that mode is there. And I've heard that there's a BR mode coming, but I haven't looked too much into that because I'm still trying to keep uh, my head above water with all of the different modes, weapons, what's what's meta right now, what's not, what I should work on, things like that. But needless to say, um, this is definitely a really good experience for me. 
uh, as my second Call of Duty game. And I think probably my third war shooter. I think the other one that I played was Battlefield 4. Um, so I think that's that's like that's my main experience with shooters. So it's not great, but this one's definitely done uh, a lot to kind of sway me in, in the mindset of why these are fun to play. Next up on Shore Leave, I think it's time to cover XO19. Well, <laughs> it's hard for me to say cover because really we've, we've been past like XO19 for quite a while, but you know what? There's some stuff that I, I haven't gotten to talk about on Keelhauled. Uh, part of it on purpose, part of it just because I wanted to save it for this. Um, and, and other, other times it was just, there's too much going on with Sea of Thieves to fit it in. So I did want to dive into XO19. And the first thing obviously has to be Rare's new IP, which holy cow this came out of left field like i knew that another studio was working on battlefields and that studio is like based out in la uh and i knew that sea of thieves was going to get an update soon um because of the the monthly cadence and that it was probably going to be um a, a tall tale because uh, we know that those have been kind of in the works for a while but man seeing a new ip from rare like what is this world we're living in this is insane but it was so cool to watch and and this is it that like this is all that we got we got a trailer and a confirmation that it's a project being worked on it's been headed up at rare studios so there's two teams now working on everwild and they've reaffirmed that they're dedicated to doing sea of thieves and they keep wanting to make content for that which is awesome because i don't want that to end and that's been a concern and to know that the studio could do that but also still be working on a second game is excellent now everwild uh i'm gonna say right now that this is definitely a scarlet game and that it will be probably on game pass day one we don't know what type of game this is uh it is a vast expanse it is a beautiful landscape it is a forest laden world but it's a world not too unsimilar from what we live in but it is definitely definitely different there are animals that are really kind of unique but still rooted with some of our current animals that we have in, on earth and because of that we see some new protagonists uh, a trio that are wandering around this forest scape uh, and we don't know a whole lot about what's going on other than that they are appreciating this wilderness uh, the birds flying the the deer type creatures with the unfolding antlers that look like they collect sun for nutrition and also some of the more cat-like uh, cave dwelling creatures that are, are clearly the carnivores in this world and it makes me wonder if this is a game where we are explorers and we're looking for something but we don't necessarily know what that something is and along the way we come into trials and tribulations but we are out in this wilderness it's definitely a game that it looks like this is a, a group of people that are relatively civilized they have their own fashioned clothing they have distinct colors to kind of tell themselves apart and they have personality with that as well but it is definitely clear that there is something magical going on with this world and they're in they're in tune with that and we don't know how that plays a part with how you play the game but it's definitely something that is interesting this is is very much in line with how rare has been trending on these more uh less realistic uh types of games and more kind of rooted in a, uh, a kind of cartoony aesthetic not like uh, comical but um definitely you know it's it's it's, it's evocative of like a, a like an oil painting it makes me think of an oil painting every time i look at this these trailers and everwild is a very very kind of nondescript game so it could be just about anything at this point but I'm hoping that it is very exploratory and that I hope that it, it rewards you for that. And that it's an online co-op game, hopefully, and that it's some sort of RPG where you progress and you get stronger. 
and then it's not anything that's too similar to games like Monster Hunter or Dauntless, but uh, something that explores a, a better route than just another monster killing simulator. Um, not to not to, to purposefully try to uh, be reductive about games like Dauntless and, and uh, Monster Hunter, because obviously those games are very good and very successful. But it, I'm kind of looking for something a little different. I want something that is um, akin to the joy of exploration that I get from Sea of Thieves in a world that is more grounded. Um, not uh, that, sorry, no pun intended with that. But uh, with Sea of Thieves, you're always on the ship. Um, and when you're not on the ship, you're constantly looking out for other ships. And in Everwild, you're open. There's no security. Anything could be over the hill or around the corner or in a tree or in a cave. And you don't know, but you're always stuck there. And because of that, you're, you're constantly having to learn your environment and having to, to think about how to deal with situations as they arise. And uh, the game kind of reminds me of hopefully something that would be uh, a cool way to approach a, a multiplayer game online that's a, like a persistent world, uh, but something kind of like Firewatch where there's a narrative and you're exploring. Um, hopefully nothing too similar to like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, even though that is also an exceptional game, but something that is uh, a little more in depth, but still retains some of that, that sense of being able to wander around, kind of like in Breath of the Wild. Um, I'm glad to see that they're doing this. I'm glad to see that they're uh, given another chance to make another game based on the success of Sea of Thieves, because whether people believe it or not, Sea of Thieves is actually a successful game to the point where they've continued development and they want to continue making development and they're putting into plan or they're putting long-term goals uh, in place knowing that the success of the game will continue on based on our our desires to, to, to buy into the microtransactions, to get new players into it, and to keep the community healthy. And they've still got a lot of story to tell. And I can't wait to see what they do with Everwild uh, and what kind of story they can tell with that kind of a game. Some of the other things that came out of XO19 were some huge announcements for people who are subscribed to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, we found out that the original Kingdom Hearts games are coming to Xbox One, which that's insane. Like that's a that is a PlayStation built game. Like those games were designed for PlayStation. They were the ones that were going to have the the Final Fantasy franchise with the the Disney crossover. Like that's always been a, 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 a like. <laughs> had I had known, I swear to you, had I had known a year ago that Kingdom Hearts that the Final Fantasy, that Yakuza, that uh, um, um, those games were going to be coming to Game Pass and that I was going to be so uh, in love with Sea of Thieves and, and get to try out these other games, I might have actually held off on picking up my PS4 because while there are still a bunch of games that I, I did want to play, like uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, Spider-Man, God of War, Horizon Zero Dawn, those games are awesome, but those are games that weren't something that I needed to jump into right away. And the proof is in the pudding because I haven't played much of those games outside of, I would say, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, I think, is the one that I've jumped into the most. But I keep looking at my PS4 and thinking, that could be an Xbox. And at the same time, I also think, well, I've also got my Windows PC, so what need do I have? But then I think about Halo and uh, the Master Chief Collection and how that is not available to me. But if you're on PC and you have the, uh, the, the actual... If you want to purchase it, you can actually pick up the whole bundle for $40, which that's actually pretty good in my opinion. Uh, a lot of people still have some concerns on the stability of the, the port, but I'm not going to judge it until I actually get a chance to. Uh, but if you have Game Pass, as far as I understand, you can pick this up. It's going to be available on Microsoft Store as well as Steam, which is kind of crazy. And the Master Chief Collection is now coming to PC. So I'm hoping... I'm hoping that uh, Kingdom Hearts and those games will also move, move, make their way to 
the, the the PC port as well. If they can get them on Xbox, then I'm hoping they can get them onto PC for us. Uh, if, if you're not into Kingdom Hearts, the Yakuza series is actually coming to Game Pass early 2020. And the, the Final Fantasy games are, well, most of the Final Fantasy games are coming to Game Pass uh, by the end of 2020 as well. And if you're curious what Final Fantasies those are, that's Final Fantasy VII, the original, 8, 9, 10, 10, 2, 12, all of the 13s and 15 are all going to be on Game Pass. And they're also bringing other games too, like uh, My Friend Pedro and The Witcher 3. Um, it's it's absolutely amazing just what Microsoft is doing with the Xbox Game Pass. And I can't wait till xCloud comes because there are a lot of these games that I would love to be able to play on my phone with, a con- with my Sea of Thieves controller uh, when I'm at work. And if I don't feel quite in the mood to jump into whatever game is on my Switch at the moment. But I'm very much looking forward to trying out Halo Reach on December 3rd. Um, that'll be the first Halo game that I have I will have been able to play since two way back in the day uh one of the other things that i thought was really crazy that came out that i was not expecting is uh mike or like xbox is getting their own mario kart which if you don't have a switch and you love mario kart it's a bummer to not have mario kart because mario kart is just one of those man it's just one of those great games uh to to play and Nexon is bringing Cartwrighter to Xbox in 2020, which it sounds kind of like cheesy, but if you take into consideration, if you only have an Xbox, but you've got kids, and Sea of Thieves is probably one of the few games that your kids can actually play outside of like the rare replay games or uh, a few others that I don't need to jump into. And as far as I understand it, outside of Serious Racers or, or um, uh, you know, like the the, the Horizon uh, Forza games, there's not really like a, an arcade uh, racer. And, and I'm trying to think, I could be wrong. So I think that Banjo, no, not Banjo-Kazooie. Um, I'm blanking on Crash Bandicoot. I think Crash Bandicoot is available, like CTR is available for Xbox. So there is that. So. I, I don't know that I can actually say for certain that this is going to be the first arcade racer, um, but it's a nice alternative. And one of the things that I did find out was that if you're interested in this, uh, let me know in the Discord because I had uh, a couple gentlemen who reached out and actually gave me codes. Um, so I did want to thank uh, the, the um, Big Bad uh, Pad who I talked about in one of the earlier Keelhauled episodes, he actually gave me um, five beta access codes for Cart Rider Drift from XO19, and as well as uh, one month Game Pass Ultimate um, for for one of the others. So if you're interested in Cart Riders and you want to try out the the beta to to check out and see how good that drifting is, let me know because I've got um, I believe six codes total to be able to give away uh so hit me up on discord the discord information is always in the show notes you can always do that so shout out to d uh dino and uh big bad pad for giving me those codes very cool of them to help support the keelhauled community and i want you all to have an opportunity to to get this so it's going to be first come first serve whoever listens to this and hits me up you're going to get the chance to actually play it uh in its beta i will get you the codes uh as soon as i find out that you'd like to actually play it um going back into xo the one of the things that i did want to talk about was is is this crazy game called west of dead which is a top-down twin stick shooter and it's it's a different type of twin stick shooter generally i i don't even care about these games but this one came out and it's actually voiced um oh, i just blanked on his name it's voiced by uh ron perlman there it is i got it i had to think about it but it's voiced by ron perlman who i guess is the the protagonist but this protagonist looks like if ghost rider was in wild wild west because everything is 
topsy-turvy Nemo. Like, it, it's it's a dark, gritty, cell-shaded... It reminds me of Gungrave, actually. It reminds me... If, if, if you ever had a PS... Uh, or a PlayStation 2, um, or I believe PlayStation VR, there is a game called Gungrave, and it was super cell-shaded. It was uh, kind of like Crackdown, but darker, and set in a Western setting. And this uh, death guy is uh, the protagonist, or an anti-hero, uh, with a flaming skull, like Ghost Rider. And it looks really, really good. And the fact that Ron Perlman voices the protagonist, from all, from what I can tell, is even more emphasis for me to to, to jump on this bandwagon because I, I love Ron Perlman. He is a crazy kooky guy who has got some super strong opinions, but he's a big enough dude that I'm not going to mess with him about it. And if anyone remembers, like my first my first memories of Ron Perlman, I kid you not, Beauty and the Beast, the show like where he lived down in the sewer and had a whole bunch of makeup. That was my first Ron Perlman moment. The second Ron Perlman moment was probably going to be, oh, I can't remember which came first, but it was either Hellboy or Aliens 4, where I think that was the next time where I, I caught a glimpse of uh, Ron Perlman, and uh, I, was, I was pretty stoked after that. But yeah, uh, West of Dead is coming out. Um, I believe that is in open beta. Uh, through actually, I think the beta's done. I can't remember, but uh, that's definitely coming out. Keep an eye out for that. If you like twin shi- twin, blah, twin stick shooters, um, a few more games got announced and some other stuff as far as uh, like a, a tell me why, which um, was was, a, was an interesting story driven game. I don't know if I'm going to be in for that, uh, but Obsidian announced a new game made by a really small team. And if you don't know who Obsidian is, they are the folks that made Outer Worlds, which I actually love and think should win for the uh, game awards that Jeff Keighley hosts. Uh, I think it should win game of the year because of just how much funny or how many funny things there is. Um, But they're making a new game and apparently it's called Grounded. And it is essentially the... (laughs) <laughs> it's essentially Honey, I Shrunk the Kids uh, with a group of kids trying to build a town and uh, like like they're, they're basically one of those things where they you have to build structures, you have to survive. So kind of reminds me of the um, Save the World mode for Fortnite where you kind of have to deal with uh, uh, creatures coming at you and you have to build up structures to survive and kind of make food and all that good jazz. And uh, you're, you're in a world, but you are shrunk down. So things like ants and stink bugs, spiders and scorpions, those are real like giant creatures that you have to contend with. And I'm, I'm interested to see where this goes, but as it's a small team, I'm not expecting a whole heck of a lot at the moment. Uh, I'm expecting that it's it's going to be kind of worked on little by little, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we get more news about potential sequels or, or um, more content for Outer Worlds as that is what's doing really well for that studio. And I think the larger team still needs something to work on uh, for their next project after releasing Outer Worlds. All right, Pirates, the last thing that I wanted to touch on was some more recent news that I think kind of impacts some people, but not a whole lot. And that's actually going to be the Xbox Scarlet or whatever they decide to call it. And a lot of people want to call it Xbox 2. A lot of people want to call it Xbox uh, you know, infinite. A lot of people want to call it next box. I haven't decided on what I like right now, but um, regardless, we had some interesting information that came to us from Stiviver, which I'm not familiar with that publication, but they managed to get an interview with Phil Spencer where they asked about VR. And if you're if you've had any kind of curious notions, or maybe you even you jump into VR and you really enjoy it, I've got a couple friends that love VR, and I'm pretty sure they're using vibes right now but they uh have or phil has stated that for all intents purposes xbox players don't really want vr or at least they're not asking loud enough so maybe you are maybe you do want a vr uh, headset from microsoft and your voice just isn't being heard i would hit up phil spencer and be like yo dude (laughs) i want this 
But for the most part, he came out and said that um, he, he said that a lot of people just aren't asking for it. And unfortunately, just kind of based on the performance of the PSVR, I, I can understand why they haven't. Um, I was listening to a couple podcasts and they were talking numbers and it was kind of depressing to think at how just how few VR units uh, Sony has sold in comparison to the vast number of uh, PlayStation 4 units that they've sold through. And not to say that PSVR isn't good because I haven't tried it. But it doesn't feel like something that a lot of people are ready to make that jump to. And I think a lot of that comes down to how people play games. I don't think that the immersion is enough for enough people to say like, okay, well, I'll I'll play this game, but I'm only going to play for maybe two, three, four hours at most because that's how much standing around in an environment you can really handle before you just get too tired. As anyone that's played Ring Fit Adventure can attest to, standing up and playing games uh, can be a real workout. So with VR on a hiatus, it's safe to assume that Microsoft wants to do the thing that they should have done at the start of the Xbox One announcement and reassure gamers that they are first when it comes to making and selling a game system. Now, everyone's comfortable using their Xbox for lots of different things, and it's great that it can do that. But first and foremost, I would definitely say catering to that that hardcore, casual, trusted community that loves the variety of games that come to the Xbox console, uh, they should be served first. And I'm glad to hear that, Phil. It doesn't, I don't get the impression that Microsoft is looking to create a gimmick. They don't want to sell their system based on flashy new hardware outside of the core experience that they want to create for players with games. And they're focusing far more on building substantial uh, content for their services to ensure that if all you do is subscribe to Xbox Game Pass and you never buy an actual game, that you are not getting left behind with some of the best content that that console can offer. Now, you're obviously not going to get all the cool AAA games that are that are available outside of Game Pass, but you still have a lot of really good content to play. And there's always more content coming. And any game that's made under Microsoft's uh, label is going to come to Game Pass on day one. Now, you might be thinking that this is a pretty pretty Xbox-centric Shore Leaf episode. And you're right, it is, uh, with a touch of Nintendo, because I love Nintendo. But to be perfectly honest, I think the reason is because I haven't been, sh- I haven't been shown anything from Sony outside of their exclusive games that has been compelling enough for me to take notice of what they're doing. I still listen to a lot of uh, the PlayStation podcasts to kind of keep up on news, but everything that they're talking about doesn't really, it doesn't shine the way an Xbox news conference does. Uh, With one caveat, Xbox really has to work on their presentations. They're definitely bulky. They definitely talk a lot about stuff that doesn't need to be said. And they could cut it down a lot while still retaining some of that that kind of fun, playful atmosphere that they want to have with their shows. But they got to do something about those jokes and not feel like they're so forced. It, it doesn't play well when you when you tell a joke and you're looking deadpan into the camera, and you're not it, when you're not a, <laughs> when the joke is not directed to the audience or out at someone that is not in next to you. It's fine. But if the person's next to you and the joke is is a is a dig on them and both of you are staring straight into the camera and just like a hint of a smirk, that doesn't play well. I love you guys, but it doesn't play well. Please take some notes from like SNL. Uh, even they have a hard time doing funny news that in a serious way and not trying to crack up. So hire some writers or kill it. 
<laughs> let it die. Um, again, I, I love I love everyone that does it. They're doing jobs that I I wish I was doing, so I can't I can't really bag on them because they're in a position I would love to be in. Uh, and, and hopefully they remember that regardless of any of the criticism that comes their way, because none of it is, is really make or break, but I, I had to get it out there, uh, since it's, you know, it's my show, <laughs> I'll be the, I'll be the host of my show. They be the host of their show. We'll respect each other's right to, to host our show the way we want it. And hopefully not do uh, too many bad jokes for our audiences. All right, folks, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Shore Leave. Uh, I hope you liked it. I hope you enjoyed it. I, I had a good time making it, and I had a good time talking about some of the stuff that I've been doing outside of Sea of Thieves because I, oh, man, there's so much to do. There's so much to play. There's so much news to stay up on. And if you have any inkling uh, to, to be interested in World of Warcraft, World of Warcraft, classic uh i just recently had an episode uh published from bill who is run jump stomp he has a nintendo show called nintendo switchcraft he has a few other shows as well but he does a show that just recently booted up called pixel uh, uh pixels 143 and actually i'm gonna double check myself because i'm gonna feel really bad if i can't even remember the show that i was on um with with bill but it was uh it was one of those situations where he asked me to jump on because he wanted to start a show that was focused on bringing people together to talk about games that they absolutely love playing and i thought uh or i'm sorry it's 143 pixels so search for 143 pixels and you'll find it and he asked if i wanted to talk about a game and i thought up a lot of different games that i would have wanted to talk about and as much as i wanted to jump into sea of thieves i've already got that here and i get to gush about sea of thieves all the time and i would have loved I'd, I'd love to get another chance to actually talk with him about sea of thieves because he was kind of turned off with his first experience with it and that's not the that's not the impression I want my friends to have of this, but uh, I sat down and we chatted for an hour about World of Warcraft Classic uh, back when it kind of started out in uh, August and into September. So we were still pretty fresh with the game, and I had a really good time talking with him. He's a really good podcaster, and if you have a Nintendo Switch or you have any interest in Stadia, uh, he does shows for those as well. Uh, so I'm going to put some links in the show notes in case you're curious and you don't have anything you want to listen to and you're maybe tempted to hear something uh, that's a little outside of what I do when uh, I'm talking with other friends that are also podcasters. So I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes for his stuff. Uh, I appreciate you guys taking any consideration into listening to him just because just because he's a friend of mine and and I love supporting him. I support him as much as I, I can feasibly come across, but um, hopefully I'll do better by remembering the name of the show that I was I was on with him. And uh, he has different people on too uh, with different games. So like Dark Souls or uh, actually, no, did he do, did they do? No, they did Half-Life, Half-Life, Final Fantasy VIII and Skyrim, I think are the first three episodes that came out. And then uh, my episode just came out with World of Warcraft Classic. And there's a whole bunch of other games that he's got lined up for that. This has turned into a big ad for Bill. But, you know, he deserves it because he, he works his butt off. And, yeah, um, I forgot where I was going with this. I think I was ending the episode. I'm pretty sure I was ending the episode. Pirates, thank you so much for listening to this. Uh, I, I really hope that you had a good time with it. If you'd like to get a hold of me, there's lots of ways you can do that. The best ways are always going to be email c-a-p-t-l-o-g-u-n at gmail.com twitter at c-a-p-t underscore l-o-g-u-n joining the discord finding me in the keel hall podcast discord is a great way to get in touch with me if you have any questions any feedbacks any ideas or things that you wanted to discuss things that, that you thought of when you were listening to this that you should have written down so you didn't forget so when you get done with the podcast you're like oh what did i wanted to say to him things like that. There's always ways that you can do that. Uh, I always have the contact information in the show notes, and I hope if you can do one thing for me, share the podcast. Um, tell someone about it that doesn't know about it, especially if they're looking for something to listen to and they have any interest at all in Sea of Thieves uh, because of the, the praises that you've told them about how good this game is. Hopefully, if they aren't playing it and you love it and you share it with them and you share the podcast with them, 
maybe I can help sway them. I mean, the game right now, $25 in America for the Xbox copy. It's uh, with Game Pass. $25 for Sea of Thieves is an amazing deal. Holy cow. I bought that game when it was $60. I almost bought two copies of it at one point because I wanted to get a coin, but I wanted to play it the, the, the day it came out, the hour that I could, and I didn't want to have to wait for Best Buy to, um, to be open the next day for me to be able to get it. But um, yeah, Pirates, I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I love you and I look forward to sailing with you on the Sea of Thieves.